Welcome back to the H2 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halpin, and this week we have another interview for you. I got to sit down with the radio voice of the Panthers, Mr. Jim Zoki. We dove into all things Panthers, football, quarantine, what it was like working with my dad, and what his typical schedule on a game day is. So here is Jim Zoki. Recording. Awesome. All right. So for people who don't, who aren't from this area and don't listen to like sports radio in the Carolinas, just give like a 30 second, 45 second rundown of who you are. Uh, Jim Zoki. And so I basically have two jobs. I work for the Carolina Panthers doing the radio broadcast as color commentator and pregame host. And then um, I work at WBT radio and do morning sports on there and at WFNZ radio. And so basically I have a full-time year-round on-air morning shows that I do for radio and then the Panthers games within season. Okay. What got you started in like this industry and in the world of broadcasting? I actually knew in high school that this is what I wanted to do. And uh, fortunately I was lucky enough to actually do it and make it happen. But when I, I went to, I grew up in Ohio and when I went to college at Bowling Green State University, I went to the radio and the TV stations and got involved immediately and got a broadcast journalism degree from there. So I, um, I pursued it basically since I was about 18 years old of wanting to be on air doing sports broadcasting. It's just worked out all these years. Who did you look up to when you were coming up in this? Um, well, I grew up in Ohio, so there were some announcers up in Cleveland that people probably wouldn't know, but like the local announcers who did the Cleveland Indians and Cavaliers and Browns. And I got to meet some of them. They would have like career seminar days or whatever. So I got to meet some of those folks, uh, and get, um, like their insight, kind of like what we're doing here as far as like career days and going to visit them. Uh, but as far as like a national level, um, I liked most of the big time announcers. Like when I was growing up, like, like Bob Costas was one. Um, thinking back to back in that era, like Kurt Gowdy was another big announcer at that time. So, uh, I would just kind of listen and those were the main national people like that, that I would kind of listen to and kind of follow. So right after college, did you stay in Ohio or did you come straight to Charlotte? I pretty much came straight to Ohio. I graduated in May and I moved down here in August of, um, 1987. So I, Finished college, and three months later, I was down here, and uh, I got a job for a little, with a little radio station in Concord doing some sports, and then I got in shortly after that, after a few months, with a place that did traffic reporting, so I was up in an airplane doing traffic reporting, and while I was doing that, one of the radio stations we did traffic reports for was WBT, and the Charlotte Hornets were just arriving then, so I got to know Steve Martin, who was the Hornets announcer, and you know, expressed to him I wanted to do sports, so he got me in a WBT, and actually onto the Hornets broadcast uh, back in the, I guess, second season when the Hornets were around in the late 80s. So that's kind of how I started here. So you said you did Hornets games. So do you prefer doing football games now or did you prefer doing basketball games? I like both. Um, it's happened that I've been doing football, but I like all the major sports. So football, basketball, baseball, I've done all of those. I like golf. I like hockey. I just don't know it well. So hockey is the one kind of major sport I've not broadcasted. Um, but, uh, any of those are fine. So I, I need like baseball, football, basketball in particular, I like, but the, the Panthers thing worked out the most. And I did get to do a number of Hornet games and I did college basketball. I did Davidson and UNC Charlotte games for a couple of years before the Panthers came to town. I used to do the Hornets play by play fill in for Steve and 
guys like that when they weren't available to do all the games. So I enjoy all, all of them really. Do you think we're going to get baseball this year? I think, I think we'll probably have major league baseball. I know they're working on that this week. And I, I believe there's a, a rule in place where the, the, the league, the commissioner and the owners can just implement a short season if they can't come to an accord. So I do think they will. Um, I don't think anyone wants to miss the entire season. So I, I do think we'll have some kind of short season of major league baseball here in the next couple of days worked out. I hope so. It's been too long since baseball for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know I miss it too. I'm an Indians fan and, uh, at a local level, I uh, usually feel like doing a few Charlotte Knights baseball games. So it looks like minor league baseball probably won't happen because it's getting so late overall, but, um, that's too bad because I think that's such a, a cool thing to have here in Charlotte. Yeah. So describe your typical schedule on a Panthers game day. So schedule is we go on the air three hours before kickoff. So we'll take like a one o'clock game as a typical game on a Sunday. We go on the air at 10. So I'll get there about nine. Uh, if we're on the road, we're out, we travel with the team. So we take the team bus, usually about 830. We're at the stadium, do the three hour pregame show, do the game itself. And then uh, we do about an hour of about 45 minutes of postgame, I should say, of interviews and, and some segments that we do. And then if we're at home, we're done at that point. At the end of the game, like an hour after the game, I'm done. If we're on the road, uh, we got to get on the buses and back to the airport and fly back with the team. So that's as far as the timing, that's kind of how the day works out. You call games with Mick Mixon, correct? Yes. What's it like working with him? You guys seem to get along. You seem to have good chemistry. What's the key to like having good chemistry with a partner when you are calling a game? Mick's a total jerk and I hate him. I just pretend <laughs> to like him. Now, Mick's one of my best friends. And um, yeah, the thing about Mick is uh, we knew each other a little bit. Like I would have him on sports talk shows and stuff because he was doing the Tar Heels. So I would have him as a guest sometimes. So I knew him a little bit and I would see him at things like the ACC tournament. So I did get to know him a little bit. Uh, but Mick is just uh, a great friend and uh, he's funny. He's got a great personality. So when you when you're friends with somebody or you've got a good chemistry, even as coworkers, that makes it so much easier because your styles kind of complement each other. And if you work long enough in this business, Mick has had this and I've had this too. Sometimes you, you work with talented people, but they're not, you know, they don't become best friends or their styles can be very different. And you don't have to be a professional and kind of get along and, and work well. So the key is to be able to work in different situations. Or like I said, I've done, I've done national games. I've done one-off games where I'm, I'm doing a college football game somewhere with somebody I just meet that day and do the game with. So you just try to build a camaraderie on the air as best you can uh, with somebody that's new. But I've never had a bad experience with anybody that I've worked with. Uh, but in Mick's case, since you asked specifically about Mick, I mean, we're friends and we hang out. Uh, when it's not season. And, and um, so that makes it a lot easier. It makes the chemistry a lot better. You just said you get to fly back on the plane with the team. Have you developed relationships with the players and what are those relationships like? Yeah. You know, this is um, 25 years I've been doing this. So you know, some players you get to know really well and some are here just for a short period of time. So you know, typically the longer somebody's here, the more you get to know them. Like somebody like Luke Keekley was here for eight years, just wrapped up his career and, just you know, a great, genuine guy. I'm glad to see he's going to be sticking around doing the, the scouting for the team. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, some, you know, you get involved with doing shows with them or charities in town and things like that. You get to know a little bit more than, say, some others. But uh, I will say one thing through the years, the Panthers uh, mostly have had really great people as far as the players uh, on and off the field. So 
that's been good. Um, there's always going to be bad cases, and there's a, there's some known bad cases through the years in the news of, of guys who haven't had good tenures here. Uh, but uh, by and large, it's been you know really good guys. And you know, we're on the plane. You know, we um, see them at practice. We would uh, you know when you're on the road, you have meals in the hotel, um, and just you're doing media interviews and things like that. You get to know them, so. Uh, it's kind of cool to get to hang out and, uh, and meet a lot of these guys because they're really interesting. And then a lot of them, when they're done playing, you know, we still keep in contact with, like I'll, I'll call them up to do interviews and you know, follow up on things. So even after they're done playing, a lot of these guys stay in the community so you continue those relationships afterwards. So can, let's talk about the Panthers and their offseason and the draft for a second. So they had some right. big moves this season, mainly in the quarterback department. What did you think of the Teddy Bridgewater signing? I like it because they like it. I know it's a funny answer, but, you know, it's new with the new head coach and a new offensive coordinator and Joe Brady. And Joe Brady has some experience with Teddy Brady from being with the Saints for a year over there. Um, so I, they identified him as a quarterback that fits the style of a new offense that we haven't seen yet. So I'm putting trust in the fact that uh, since they identified him as bringing him in as the guy that they think can run it, uh, I think it'll, it'll go well. Um, he's an accurate passer, obviously not nearly as mobile, and most quarterbacks are not as Cam Newton is, so it's a different style. But he seems to fit what they're planning on doing in this offense. And budget-wise, he, he's like about $20 million a year, which for a starting quarterback is pretty reasonable these days. So I think it doesn't break the bank that they got him and he seems to fit what they're doing is a a former first round pick. Who's like 27, 28 years old. So I think he's got a good upside as far as uh, probably can give uh, more than the fans think in terms of quarterback play and how he'll do this year. What do you think Matt rule will bring to the team that Ron necessarily didn't have or didn't do as much of? Yeah, I think it's going to be different. I have a lot of respect for Ron, and he was a two-time coach of the year. But, um, you know, I've seen this happen before with John Fox. He also went nine years, as did John Fox, took the team to the Super Bowl. So kind of feel like maybe they had gotten to the point where they just got as much as they could out out of the team up to that moment. Uh, With Matt Rule, again, it's a little bit of an unknown, but he brings a really fresh perspective coming from the college level. So he's uh, basically been a college coach uh, at Baylor and at Temple. So I think he brings kind of a fresh perspective. I think they'll be really relatable to the young players. Uh, they have brought in a number of players that have played for him at, at college, at Temple, and at Baylor uh, as veterans, like four or five veteran players. So a, a new enthusiasm, obviously. Um, one thing he's got is a seven-year contract. So I think there's a patience that it, it's not all going to happen this first year. I think we go in knowing this is going to take two or three years to get to where they want to go. So I, I think it's a no pressure situation at first. There's always pressure in this league, but not the first year, I think, in this case. And this year will be like a building block year where they try to win, obviously, and be competitive. But I think they're looking as an organization that this is going to take a couple years to build it the way they want it to go long term and kind of innovative in terms of uh, the style of offense. Uh, I think they're going to push the envelope a little bit more, especially on offense. So it'll be interesting to see. You mentioned Cam Newton, and I've been reading and reading about why teams won't sign him because they won't sign him if they don't do a physical in person. Do you think he'll get signed before the season starts, and where do you think he'll go? I think he probably will. It's hard to say where. There's not really a lot of teams that make sense. I think he'll go to, my guess is, a contending playoff team 
uh, because he's only got a one-year deal. So he basically, anyone who gets him is getting a one-year rental because he'll be a free agent. So there'll be no guarantee when you get him that he's going to stay with that team and re-up with them. So I look at teams like maybe the L.A. Rams with Jared Goff, who struggled a little bit. Uh, say the Arizona Cardinals, if Kyler Murray got an injury, I think a coach like Cliff Kingsbury is pretty innovative, could take a quarterback like Cam and kind of tailor an offense towards him for a little bit. I think another contending team that might look at him is Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger coming off that surgery. So again, these are all teams that are trying to make the playoffs as opposed to being in a rebuild or kind of a a mid-level team. And I, I think, you know, he fits and would be, a first of all, a better upgrade as a number two quarterback in all those situations and with the potential to bring him in to, to start games. And if those teams want to make the playoffs, I think you would want to have that insurance policy of a starting caliber quarterback who's been in your system for at least a few weeks or months as opposed to signing him at the last moment with an injury. That uh, Again, those are just some examples, but uh, those are like about three teams I can think of that might make some sense for him. Interesting. I hadn't thought of those teams. I thought about places where he could start and then quarterbacks started signing there. Players got drafted and I was like, oh, he won't sign there. Yeah. I don't know. I think all the the starting jobs are kind of filled at the moment, but there will be 32 teams. There'll be some some injuries and situations that change for sure. Yeah. So another big event this offseason was Luke Keekley's retirement. And that's going to, I think, that's going to hit the defense big. How do you think they'll... How do you think this will impact the defense, and what do you think they'll do to make up for his absence? Yeah, you you know, there's not another Luke Keekley, that's for sure. There's not really very many in the league that play at that level, maybe two or three that play at that level. So you, you don't replace them. You just kind of move on. And I think by committee, a guy like Shaq Thompson is going to have to step up and be, you know, really good. And they signed him to a four-year deal. You know, a guy to watch is Tahir Whitehead, who they brought in. He was with the Raiders. Uh, I like him. He's been in the league also eight years. Uh, again, these are not Luke Keekley level players, but you know, in combination with what they have, uh, can make them better. You know, the thing about Luke is he was a true team leader. I mean, not just a captain, but just the way he played and the way he was perceived on this team uh, as just a hardworking film study guy. That uh, with his play and you know, this, he really wants to win. You know, really takes it hard. So to lose Thomas Davis. And then Luke in back-to-back years, you don't really replace guys like that. It's going to take a long time. But uh, uh, long, long answer is that. The short answer is you don't. And, and you just try to be as good as you can. And in time, you, you rebuild that talent. But again, that's that two- or three-year process where you, you hope to find more guys like that. And now that Luke is a scout, you know, maybe he can find Luke Keekley or he can find Thomas Davis <laughs> if he's out there doing some scouting. <laughs> so this year's draft, Carolina in the first round, they took uh, Derek Brown. Some people, I saw a lot of mock drafts saying Isaiah Simmons, and I myself, I was kind of surprised when they didn't take him. Did you like this year's first-round pick and the draft as a whole? Wait, wait, wait I lost you. I can't hear you. Hello? Yep, gotcha. Got you back? Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I – they didn't mean to, but they did go defense the entire draft. Uh, it just kind of worked out that way. But that was the pressing need. So I think that was job one. They did that. Derek Brown and Isaiah Simmons are probably both going to have great careers. And I was like, you yeah, I thought Isaiah Simmons would be a good fit based on the way they were talking. The defense is going to be kind of this somewhat positionless thing, and he, he can play a lot of different positions. But we were also the worst run defense in the league. And at some point, you got to do the simple things 
better first. And putting Derek Brown with KK Short in the middle of the defensive line, it gives you two guys that can really clog up the middle and prevent teams from just gashing you up the middle in the running game. So I think you got to kind of uh, walk before you run. <laughs> that maybe that getting Derek Brown in here fills a very obvious, important, basic need. And then maybe if we were in year two, Isaiah Simmons would be more like if we could take a chance on a guy that you can move around into different positions. But uh, I think this was a uh, Derek went where he was supposed to go. This was not a reach. Isaiah Simmons will probably also go on to have a great career. So it's probably something of a no-lose situation. They're both very good players at different positions. Did you think, not just the Panthers, but do you think the first round of the draft went pretty much as expected? I did. I didn't think there were a lot of really big surprises in there. I thought, you know, the quarterbacks went about where you thought they would go. Um, so I didn't think, you know, obviously there's 32 teams and there's some surprises in there, but I think by and large, there were a lot of left tackles in this draft. They all kind of came off the board, uh, you know, around that 8 to 10, 12, 15 range. So this was a, a left tackle heavy one. Uh, we knew it wouldn't be a, a early running back draft and it wasn't until the last pick of the first round. Uh, so I think a lot of things went as, as expected with teams filling the needs where they did. I was, I was expecting Miami would take Tua, and they did. A lot of folks thought they wouldn't, uh, but I thought that was the right pick. And I think people forget how good he was. Like they worry so much about his injuries he had. I think Tua, and you can't really predict injuries, but he should be healthy based on all the reports they have. I think he'll end up being a really good player for Miami and just what they needed. So this season, the schedule has come out for the next coming season. Should we have it regularly? What game are you most looking forward to this season? You know, for me, you know, I've been doing this every year, like I said, for 25 years. We get to go to two new stadiums. So the L.A. stadium is new. We play the Chargers in week two. So that'd be cool to see that brand new stadium in L.A. Uh, with the Chargers in week two, our first road game of the year. And then uh, we've also not been to the new Vikings stadium in Minnesota. So even though it's been around for a couple of years, we've not had a game there. Uh, so that'll be another one that's kind of interesting to, to go visit the Minnesota Vikings new stadium. So I've been, I think, Otherwise, to all the stadiums that have been redone and that are newer, there might be one I'm forgetting about right now, but uh, it'll be, it's always fun to see new things like, like that. So I think those are probably two off the, the schedule I'm looking forward to for sure. What's your favorite stadium you've been to? Ah, that's a great question. Um, gosh, that's a great question. I think I don't like the team, but the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is pretty phenomenal. That video board they have in the middle that drops down, there's nothing like that in the league as far as kind of the new glitzy stadiums in the last eight years or whatever. Dallas is amazing. We have a huge booth there. Uh, I, I still like the old school stuff. So like last year we played Green Bay at Lambeau Field in the snow. And so I, and we played Green Bay again this year. So I'm looking forward to that. And I like older stadiums like that that they've renovated and Lambo had done a lot to to make it better those are my favorites my least favorite is New Orleans always has been Superdome it's just it's it's I don't know they've done some things as far as putting money into it making it a little bit better but it is not a nice stadium we're way high up the booth is horrible I hate the Saints so <laughs> all of that fact is I, and I've been to New Orleans we go every year so I've been to New Orleans 25 times so my least favorite is always uh, going to the Superdome that's really interesting I really want to go to AT&T Stadium I probably despise the Cowboys as much as you do because I'm a Giants fan but AT&T right. Stadium always looks so cool and I really wanted to go that boring. it is it's really cutting edge it's a cool stadium like the new Atlanta one is nice but it's not 
that interesting to me, even though they spent a lot of money. So it's nice, but I don't, I don't think they never opened that retractable roof. So I think the Atlanta thing is for all the, for a billion and a half dollars to me is still just kind of okay. But the Dallas one is really interesting. I have to ask you, is it true that in the Atlanta stadium, they have Chick-fil-A's? They do. And the funny thing is most of their games are on Sunday. So of course they're closed. So okay. it's, it's I just only open. <laughs> so interesting to me. What player, I, yeah, in the Panthers and overall, are you most excited to watch this season? Um, you know, I do want to see how Teddy Bridgewater plays as a Panther. We got to see him with the Saints play five games last year. Not that I watched all those games, but um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, will be interest, the most important and interesting new player as far as what he can do and what he can bring. Um, it's not as interesting, but uh, Russell Okung at left tackle. We Outside of Jordan Gross, we've not had a really good left tackle that's steady. And Okung's been to a couple of Pro Bowls. He has played with our new offensive line coach before as a player. So that, I think, is very important. And having him in there will make a lot of this work. I think our offensive line was kind of handicapping a lot of what we're trying to do offensively last year. So I'm looking forward to Okung and what he can bring at left tackle. And then to me, um, they added Robbie Anderson, which is interesting. I think it'll help and uh, it, it spread things out a little bit. But DJ Moore really came on last year, the second half of the year. I'm excited to see what DJ Moore, in terms of his third year development, what that's going to look like. Because I think he's like a borderline star. Yeah. And underrated. If he can do what he did here consistently, I think he could be Pro Bowl, one of the best five or six wide receivers in this league. So the Buccaneers signed Tom Brady and they got Gronkowski this offseason. Are you nervous for the Panthers to have to play them twice a year? You know, not nervous. Uh, they make That makes Tampa Bay a lot more interesting. Um, but I also think, you know, Brady's going to be good and he'll be an improvement over Jameis Winston, but he is 43 years old. So I think while he'll be good, I don't think he can just physically be Tom Brady of his vintage best years. We saw that last year where he kind of fell off a little bit last year. And then Gronk coming out of retirement, I think, again, he'll be an upgrade and he'll, he'll be good and he'll be better than what they had. Uh, but I don't think you'll see, you know, the greatest Gronk either. I think you're seeing guys clearly at the end of their career. Gronk came out of retirement. So it'll be better. And with Bruce Arians, he's a smart offensive-minded coach. They'll, they'll, they'll do well. Um, but people predicting Super Bowl and all this, I just think that that's way too much for this Tampa Bay team. And their defense is okay, but it's not phenomenal. So I think they're good, but not great. And I don't see them being as good as New Orleans in our division, as an example, right out of the gate. I was, as soon as they saw Tom Brady, I saw their Super Bowl odds going up. And I was like, mm, I don't think one signing is going to take it all the way, but you never know. So what has been your favorite game that you've gotten to announce? So my favorite game from just an entertainment standpoint, and this is a, an easy one for me, it's a famous game, is the year we had the Super Bowl 38. Our first playoff win was against the St. Louis Rams. They were St. Louis then. The double overtime game with Steve Smith, the 69-yard touchdown and double overtime to win. And not just because it was a double overtime playoff game, we were huge underdogs in that game going in. Nobody thought the Rams at that time were like the best team in the league. There was just no question. They were a, a heavy, heavy favorite in that game. That was a stunning upset to go into the dome and beat the St. Louis Rams at the height of their offensive skills at that time. So that to me, and then the fact that it went double overtime on a walk-off 69 yard touchdown to Steve Smith in the playoffs is uh, 
is still the most kind of stunning, exciting game that we've had, I think, in all 25 years. So a few years ago, you worked on Panther Talk with my dad and with Mick. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer being on camera or do you prefer being behind the mic on the radio? Well, as much as I miss getting to see your dad every week, I, I, I get to talk to him on the radio every week right now. The, the radio, so just for people that maybe don't want to be in broadcast or whatever, radio is just, the, you get to kind of like what we're doing now, say what you want and drive the content. TV, as your dad knows, you come in and they pretty much tell you, we have these graphics, we have these videos, so tailor your thoughts to what we have because they've got to produce all the video that you see and you kind of play around what they're giving you to talk about. So I like the fact that you can be creative in both and I enjoy both, but you can really be basically drive the show in radio with your, with your own words and your own content where TV, it's kind of handed to you. You get a script and you're kind of told these are the topics. These are the uh, video pieces we have to match up with. So uh, to me, I like the freedom and the kind of just uh, the fun of, of doing radio a little bit better. Did you enjoy working with my dad? He was just okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you ever hear the story about how I met your dad? No, I haven't. So we're at a party. Our two wives worked together at Time Warner Cable at the time. So my wife, Sandra, were at this uh, 4th of July party. And I'm a sports announcer, so that's a little bit of a kitschy job. It's not like I'm in you know, business or sales or whatever. And Sandra goes, you're not going to believe I just met this guy who's married to one of my coworkers, what he does for a living. Come meet him. And your dad introduces himself, John Halp, and I go, what do you do? He goes, I'm a fantasy football expert. Now think, how many people walk around the world saying, my job is I'm a fantasy football expert? I thought I was stealing money by doing sports broadcasting, so that made me feel better uh, to meet somebody that was doing something that, to me, sounded a little more lame than even what I was saying about myself. So um, I was glad we were able to get him to come work with us and, and do these shows because he is the best. I always call him before my fantasy football drafts every year, so give me your list so I can know how to draft. So he does a good job. I did not know. That's really interesting. I didn't know our, your wife and my mom worked together. I've never been. Probably, golly, I don't even know, like eight years ago or something like that. I mean, it's not even called Time Warner Cable now. It's, um, what is it? Uh, Spectrum Television. So, um, Do you think we'll have football at like usual, like regularly this year? Or do you think we'll have it with fans or without? You know, First answer, we don't know. Obviously, everything's changing constantly. So to sit here today, my guess would be that it will start on time. I think if anything, that's the most likely. I think if anything, we could get more COVID cases that could lead to shutting it down like what happened with the NBA. But I think at least we'll initially probably get it started. And I think we're already seeing like golf is going to have some fans in July at the Memorial. Uh, NASCAR now starting next week. They're going to have a few fans at the next couple races in uh, in this month of june so i would think in a stadium of say seventy thousand, you should be able to safely get in 10 15 000, something like that obviously it would take some some doing but i think that's possible it would add some amount of atmosphere and it would add some amount of uh you know fan noise and just uh, having a regular feel to the game so i think as we sit here today that that could work as opposed to what's happening with the other leagues i think football's got enough time to get ready that they could implement all that and, and be able to have some a smaller number of fans come to games. I don't know if you've been seeing videos from the Korean baseball league or from soccer teams. Have you seen how they have cardboard cutouts or stuffed animals in the stands? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the NFL will go that route if they don't have fans? No, I don't. I like it though. I think it's good for soccer. It's kind of cool because um, 
it's like having your own fat head. You know, you just could like you know, for twenty bucks, I think is what they said, and you take a picture, a full body picture of yourself, and it's in the stands. I think football has said Joe Joe Buck said they're going to use crowd noise. So I think it'd be more like NASCAR where you watch it. You just kind of focus on the field. There probably won't be much televised crowd shots. Um, but they're talking, I think they're doing this with some of the Bundesliga German soccer. They're doing crowd noise. And I actually have not watched it. But from what I've heard, it's like when you're watching on TV, you don't really notice it that much being fake. So I think a little bit of ambient crowd noise behind it. I would expect that. And that will, like everything else, we'll just get used to the new thing. And that'll be the new thing if they have to go that route. Um, so what advice can you give to people who want to get started in the announcing world and all that? My first advice is always to not do it because I need to work like 15 more years and I don't need any young hotshots coming and taking my job from me. (laughs) That's my first bit. My first bit of advice would be to take a career in something like architecture or uh, any other kind of line of work. Accounting is a good one. Uh, Store clerks. Um, So lots of other job opportunities. But I would say for those who still want to pursue it to um, anything that it depends on what you want to do. A lot of people want to be on camera. Some want to just be behind the scenes. And I actually for years have taught broadcast classes locally here. So um, I see the wide variety of what people want to do is uh, I would say for whatever you want to do, just pursue it, you know, go for it. And there are things like broadcast schools. Uh, You can go through college programs and uh, get a journalism degree or broadcast degree. And your high schools, a lot of times there's opportunities for training in these kind of fields. But if you want to be on air and have shows, what you're doing, a podcast, is something you can do from your home, which is great practice. It's something that did not exist when I was coming up. We didn't have microphones and recording abilities like you have now. So I think podcasts are phenomenal practice. Uh, and then uh, any kind of public speaking you can do. Um, and the other thing I tell people is kind of overlooked is, you know, really work on, and I do this with my own kids because I text so much, Work on your real English and grammar skills because that matters whether you're speaking, writing an email, writing a story. I mean, when you go on the air, if you use bad grammar and poor sentence structure, poor story structure, you know, really, really pay attention to like, you know, read. If, if you're watching or listening to things, you know, really pay attention to those you like uh, because you, you, you'll come off not as smart. And you might be smart, but you might not be good at grammar. So you, you want to really focus on words, whether it's you're going to write or you're going to be on air or even if you're behind the scenes. I think the, the English is kind of overlooked by a lot of people. We live in this texting, Twitter, Facebook kind of a world. And I think it's important to still do the real, uh, like a book, like a magazine article, a, a well-written Internet article. Make sure that your grammar, your English skills are polished up. Since quarantine has started, are you still as busy? And have you like picked up on any new talents, or have you been cooking more? <laughs> um, I'm still I'm working from home, so everything I do on the radio, I, I actually am able to do from home that I did at work. So I'm still able to do live and recorded and all that stuff from from our uh, our office here at home. So it's a little bit weird. My days feel really long because there's nothing to break it up. I'm just home working so much. So I feel like the days feel longer, but I'm getting the job done. I'm actually really efficient because there's none of that standing in the hallway talking, <laughs> wasting time, so uh, so to speak. Uh, so it does um, – the job itself is actually more condensed as far as getting the work done. As far as other new hobbies and things, we did buy a, I guess, kind of combination instant pot um, air air fryer. 
Yes. So not like a particular thing, but we've been having fun air frying things. We've been doing that. Um, my yard has never looked better because I'm home looking at it all the time. So I've got more time to trim the bushes and fertilize and, and keep up with the yard a little bit. And I'm actually going out today to get a bike. I've, um, I've always ran, but it's so dang hot out. Uh, I'm not really enjoying it right now. So I've not had a bike I, in about eight years. I got tired of that. I didn't feel safe, actually. It's like we still live in Valentine. The roads are so busy. But where we live now, there's some open spaces. So I'm actually going to go look for a bike. So I think not right today, uh, but over the next uh, couple of days and weeks, I think I'm going to get back on the bike and do that. Have you been binge watching any shows? We did watch the Tiger King, but we're not binge watchers, like seasons of things. That was kind of my wheelhouse. There's like seven shows. So we did watch it. It felt like everybody. And at that kind of missing it on the conversation, but I know people talk about Ozark and some of these other shows. I've not watched any of those kind of shows. I actually don't commit a lot of time to TV watching. I have to get up at four o'clock every morning with my job now. So I like more like on Netflix, things like documentaries, kind of one-offs, like an hour and a half, two hour things, as opposed to watching like a series of things. I've never been one to, and Sandra hasn't either where we sit and watch. I think that's fine. A lot of people do that, but we just, neither one of us, by the time we get done working and all that, want to sit in front of the TV for a couple hours watching for a long period of time. And finally, where can listeners find you on social media and when they can, when can they listen to you on the radio? Uh, I'm only on one social media. I only do Twitter. So uh, on Twitter, at Jim Zoki, if you'll spell it. So J-I-M-S-Z-O-K-E, at Jim Zoki on Twitter. I don't do Facebook or Instagram or anything else like that. Um, and then yeah, I'm basically this time of year morning radio. So on WFNZ and WBTM all over the morning shows. Uh, we have a third station, 107.9 The Lake with Bob and Sherry. I do a segment with them every week where we just we do the fun sports stuff, like what Tom Brady's up to, getting arrested in the park in Tampa for doing stuff <laughs> or whatever. You know, and uh, more like sports entertainment, goofy stuff with them since they're a music format. And, of course, during football season, uh, we've got our Panther game day broadcast, and then we'll do Panther talk again this year on Monday nights as far as on-air goes. But uh, those are the main main areas that are all the time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really enjoyed this. I'm glad thank we got you, Abby. chat. You're my favorite helping broadcaster. Thank you. I will make sure that my dad knows that. <laughs> he came in second. It, close second, I'm sure. Yeah, well, not, not really, but still. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. We'll talk thank to you later. You. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of H2 Sports. I really hope you enjoyed. I appreciate it so much that Jim took his time and really gave me some really, really good answers. Make sure to follow us on social media at H2 Sports Podcast and my personal Instagram, which is Abby M. Helpin. See y'all next time.